Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome to the CapEx podcast. I'm John Ashmore, the editor of CapEx. Few people know more about the language of politics and how to effectively communicate with the public than Frank Luntz, an award-winning political and communications consultant, pollster and pundit, Dr Luntz has served as an election consultant and commentator in national elections all over the world, and he's worked for more than 50 Fortune 500 companies and CEOs, and is the author of three New York Times bestsellers. He also has friends in high places, having conducted his very first political polling for the Oxford Union campaign of a certain Boris Johnson. For the last six weeks, Frank has been a visiting fellow at our parent organisation, the Centre for Policy Studies. During that time, he's been conducting a mega survey of British public opinion, delving in huge detail into our attitudes to moral values, capitalism, technology and the culture wars. His results were released earlier this week, and it's safe to say they weren't entirely heartening for supporters of free market capitalism. I sat down with Frank and I began by asking him how in tune this government's agenda is with the opinions and aspirations of the British public. Welcome to the Cafe's podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. I mean, this is an enormous piece of research you've just done into the attitudes of the British public across a whole range of different topics. I'll start with a quite uh, basic question, which is, do you think that the Conservative government's agenda is broadly in tune with where the British public is? I think there are challenges for both political parties. The Conservatives are closer to the center than Labour, and that means the Conservatives are closer to to the number of, of seats and votes and the things that they need for the next election, since that's what everyone is looking towards. Mm-hmm. But there's a wake-up call for both political parties here, and for the even for the Lib Dems as well, that the majority is not determined by those on the extreme even though the passion and intensity is. The majority in this country is determined by those who win the swing seats by winning the swing voters in the swing seats. And they believe in the country. They believe in traditions. They believe that Britain is inherently a good, uh, good country. And there are a lot of people on the left who don't. But, the, but the, the conservative challenge right now is that they don't realize, I don't think, that the public wants to help those who haven't been helped. They want to ensure uh, that everyone in every community, that all people have the chance to do well, and that 
they want to help those who have been forgotten. They want to help those who've been left behind. And too often you don't hear that from the conservative party leaders. Too often you hear about the success stories rather than we need to do more and we need to do better. So this is important for them. If I had to bet on a winner right now, I would bet on the conservatives because labor is just outside the mainstream. But the conservative party isn't doing enough to help those who have not been helped up to this point. If you were sitting in front of your old debating partner, Boris Johnson, and you had five minutes, what would be the, the kind of main messages as a pulse that you would want to deliver to him? That there is something special about his appeal. There's something special about how he connects to the country. Don't lose that. If you've got to be negative, let someone else do it. If you've got to be really, really tough on the way things are going, it's important for him to keep that reputation of being open-minded, to keep that reputation of being willing to hear other points of view, that Boris is the, should be the candidate of hope and optimism and a better future. And there have to be other, part, other people within his government that in essence play the heavy hand. I think that's the job of the chancellor, not the job of the prime minister. I think it's up to the chancellor to say, look, we can't do this. We can't be this. We've got to say no. Boris should be the person who says yes. So and by the way, one of the cool things about the research is that the British people want to say yes. Not yes to more spending, not yes to more taxation, but they want a government that says yes to the hopes and dreams of the population. They want a government who adds to the faith in the future of the, of the people, not a government that says no to opportunity, or a government that says no to fairness. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting from what you're saying that it's almost as if there needs to be a kind of good cop, bad cop dynamic at the top of the Conservative Party where, you know, Boris can be the kind of goodness and the sweetness and light and other members of the team, but his team can be message deliverers for something else. I didn't think of the consequences of what I just said and so how you put that together. And yes, I agree with you that there actually does need to be a good cop, bad cop for the long-term success of the philosophy of freedom. There is, there's a positive and a negative and Boris should be all about the positive and leave it to others to be all about the negative. You can't say yes to everyone. You can't do what everybody wants. And there are times when you simply have to say, no, we cannot deliver on that. No, we cannot do that. But it's better for Boris to have somebody else other than him doing that, particularly at a time of such great division and anger and polarization. Let someone else be the bearer of bad news. I mean, you've spent a lot of time with politicians you've seen them up close um, and you know him personally and have done for many many years i mean what do you put his appeal down to is it just that positivity is it a mixture of that his kind of wittiness um his embodying a certain kind of jolliness or some people say it's kind of authenticity that even if they think he might be a bit economical with the truth sometimes he seems to be authentically himself there's nothing fake about him. He is what he presents himself. He has a very strong constitution and very carefully researched belief system. 
and that's who he is. And he presents it in a way that's so positive. I remember uh, when he was thinking about running for mayor of London, there were some conservatives, the day that he was making the decision, I happened to see him and some of the other conservative leaders, and they didn't want him to run because they thought he would give, he doesn't even know this, that they told me that he would potentially destroy the conservatives by being different, so different. What he's proven is that he has been the savior of conservatives for that very difference. And, and it's impressive because it's a difference that's rooted in authenticity and is rooted in goodness. So many conservatives across the globe define themselves by what they are against and define themselves by what they're trying to prevent. Well, Boris defines himself by what he's for and what he's trying to achieve. And that's a good thing. So moving on to the kind of the tone of the responses you got from your polling, is it fair to say that the British population, if they're not kind of seething with anger yet, there's certainly a disgruntlement there among a lot of people and anxiety about um, their economic position at the moment? I don't think it's anger. I think there's anger at woke. I think there's anger at cancel culture. I think there's anger, particularly among people outside the cities, about uh, white privilege and whether it exists or not, and anger on both sides. There's fear. Will the economy hold up? Will I have it any better next year than this year? By the way, as we record this, Robin from CPS is bringing me a Diet Coke and a <laughs> cup of coffee. Yeah. Understanding that she is now enabling me to slowly kill myself. But I'm so grateful for her being an enabler. See? <laughs> That's compassionate right. conservative in action. Yeah, just letting you in on the uh, behind the scenes there for our podcast. Yes, every time I sit in this room at uh, CPS, it pours down rain. Yeah. Every time that I'm walking home, fortunately, the rain stops. So I just know that if I'm in this room, in this building, don't go out. <laughs> but if I'm on my way home, it's, it's a perfect time to, uh, to enjoy the wonderful summers that London has. Yeah, uh, it has really um, conformed to every stereotype about British weather, your six weeks here, Frank. Um, now, for us at CapEx, the site was founded to advance what we call popular capitalism. Um, bad phrase. Absolutely bad phrase. If you've got to sure. put a word to capitalism, yeah. call it responsible capitalism. Sure. That is a much more, it basically says, responsible capitalism says that it's not going to be extravagant. It's going to be respectful of the people. It's going to make the right decisions for the right reasons at the right time. Responsible capitalism, I actually think that it, it, needs, a, it needs a modifier like responsible capitalism, but the truth is capitalism itself is dead. Not the theory, but the language, mm -hmm. the labeling. The public either wants an open economy or economic freedom. That to them communicates high street, employees rather than employers, uh, performance rather than profit. Economic freedom is the small business. It's the restaurateur. It's the owner of the apothecary, or the, the, the pharmaceutical company. It's the owner of the local supermarket. Capitalism is about the FTSE 100 or about Wall Street, and that is something the public does not support anymore. 
and I actually looked at the language that would be most endearing to the most number of people because I think capitalism is under threat right now, it's under attack, and I think that uh, your systems of government are under attack right now. And, uh, and that's why you're gonna need a new lexicon for a new situation in the but, country. Aside from not just the language, but I mean, what in your findings do you think is, is there anything that the likes of you know, me, who are kind of economic liberals, who would favor of deregulation, a smaller state and stuff, is there anything that we can find encouraging in your findings in the way that you know, uh, people feel about uh, the market economy or business? Or? Yes, let me do all the encouraging findings basically strung together right now. Here goes. Zero, okay. Having done that, now let me talk <laughs> to you about what frightens me. First, less than 50% of the country feels that their kids will have a better quality of life than they do. That's very dangerous because they don't have faith in the future for the thing that matters most to them, which is their kids. Second, and even more alarming to me, only 42% of the country feels invested in the UK. We then did the follow-up. Is the UK invested in you? 27% said yes. That group who feels like they're committed to the country but the country isn't committed to them, that's the group that's gonna cause you so much trouble, so much anger, so much bitterness. It's like a personal relationship. When you love someone and they don't love you, and that sense of revenge, well, that's what you got right now with the UK. That group, that 15% that is invested in the country and the country's not invested in them, they're mad as hell. That's where the anger comes from. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. 
From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Um, what's your judgment on, I mean, can a political leader such as, say, Boris Johnson or Rishi Sunak, if they push hard enough on the public's priorities in one or two areas, can it give them space to do things that are less popular, say, more economically liberal, in other areas? They have to do things that are less popular. That's their job. Their job is not to win a popularity contest. Their job is to convince people that this is the right decision for the right reasons. I don't like politicians who only go off of polling. I was very clear in joining with CPS that I would not engage in policy discussions. My job is strictly communication. Mm -hmm. How do we make principled politics, how, we, how do we make freedom more appealing to more people? Mm -hmm. That's, and I'm proud to do that, but a pollster should not be involved in setting uh, policy or, or even setting priorities. And just returning to quite a bit of your research um, here has been about attitudes to what you call wokeism, um, what some people might call excessive political correctness, gone mad is the phrase we always hear. I mean, were you surprised at how little your respondents seem to care about um, businesses taking political positions? Because businesses themselves often seem very concerned to kind of instantly react to you know, social political phenomena. But it's exactly what their, what their employees and their customers and the communities they serve don't want. Yeah. Take care of your people. Take care of your customers. Take care of the communities that you serve and stay out of social issues that divide people. My employer has a responsibility to me and I have a responsibility to them. They do not have a political responsibility that should be coming from somebody else. And they were explicit about this again and again and again. And if you have corporate leaders who are listening to this right now, they've given you a directive. And that directive is stay quiet. Don't engage. You have a responsibility. Live up to that. Do what matters. Mm -hmm. And all this woke social justice, addressing inequality. But by the way, they do want the business leadership to recognize that inequality exists and deal with it in an area where they can actually make a difference, which is their own people, their own business. It's not that they're against inequality. They absolutely believe in addressing inequality. It's not that they're against... Uh, uh, a level playing field, the public is very much in favor of equal opportunity. But they don't want their businesses involved in these woke debates because they think that will distract them from a much, much higher priority, taking care of their people. Is it fair to say that one, uh, one issue where they do expect businesses to do stuff though is um, the environment? And climate change, but it's almost as though that is now considered part of the day job rather than a, a, something that you tack on. And what I learned from the research is that it's not uh, the impact of the products and services, it's actually how those products and services are made. So it's end to end respect the client, uh, climate, respect the environment and be environmental, not just in the impact you have, 
but be environmental in everything that you do. This is the only country I've ever polled in where those on the right of the political spectrum are more environmental than those on the left. That was a shock to me. I never would have expected it. But thanks to David Cameron and people of that, of his generation, he, he won that battle. And right now the conservative party is very attuned to environmental issues. And the business community is very attuned to doing its part, playing a role in making Britain cleaner, safer, and healthier. And that is the messaging that the public wants. Not sustainability, because that's status quo. Mm. Cleaner, safer, healthier is better. And the people of the UK want better, not just change. How much do you put, you were here in the mid-noughties when David Cameron kind of first burst onto the scene. When he did his kind of hug a husky thing, it was seen as um, quite an unusual thing. I mean, it's, um, are you surprised at how quickly, you know, 15 years or so, it's gone from a kind of slightly marginal thing for the Conservatives to being absolutely the core of their political offer? It does not surprise me because David was such a great, and still is, such a great communicator. And it doesn't surprise me because he used political capital to make a difference. That shows you what leaders can do to change the focus of the party. He did not change anyone's point of view, but he raised it from a low priority issue to something that everybody cares about. He raised it from insignificance to absolutely a, uh, a leading priority for the country. Mm. And that's something a leader can and should do. And it ties in with one of your other main findings, I think, which is that regardless of your political affiliation, everyone cares very much about their children's fate. And that, you know, presumably climate is a big part of that. And you've read the, uh, clearly you've read the analysis that sh there's so few examples of things that unify the, the British public right now, which is very much reflective of what's happening in America and how ugly it's gotten. And in America, it's actually worse than here. It's one of the reasons why I am here is that it just became untenable for me in the States. But the whole objective is to, we're gonna disagree about the solution, but we should agree about the problem. We're gonna disagree about the priorities, but we are gonna agree where we think something should happen. Well, in America, that basic agreement doesn't exist anymore. It does exist in the UK. And climate and in the environment is an example where it does exist. The tragedy is that even on things like culture and traditions, labor and conservatives are at opposite ends of the scale. Even in terms of prioritizing just a whole British identity, the idea that you support your history, you, you feel good about where your country has come from and where it's headed, um, even that is now impossible. We're losing the ties that bind, we're losing those threads that, that keep us together. And in some cases, we are actively fraying them. We're going out of our way to find differences, and I don't understand that. And this is my wake-up call to you all. If you continue to do it, it's going to affect your economy. It's going to affect your government. It's going to affect politics as you know it, and you're not going to like the outcome at all. It's interesting. I think one of the things that struck me in your research is that in purely economic terms, I don't think people don't seem to be particularly nostalgic. Most people say they think they are better off than their 
parents' generation, at the same time, they think that their children's generation is going to be worse off than them. I mean, what do you put that? Is that a result of having lived through so many crises that we've kind of got a negative outlook on the future? It's a result of things like technology. It's a result of social media, which poisons minds with mindless negativity. It's a result of technology that allows us to live on our phones rather than live in the real world. And that it's no longer a distraction, it's actually an alternative universe, which is not constructive. And it's a, it's a reflection of the coarseness of the culture that rewards people who are nasty to each other. And you get likes on, uh, likes if you rip someone apart on social media, but in real life, it's not likable at all. I think that these are all having a, a huge impact on how our kids think and behave. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you're not on Twitter, are you? I am on Twitter. Oh, you are? Okay. But uh, I try to do the positive, not the negative. Okay. Yeah. Clearly, I've broken through with you. <laughs> so, uh, it's all right, we can edit that bit out. No, I don't have um, to do. I want it all in there. This is why, if, I'm, if you ask me to do a podcast, which I normally don't like to do, so this is a rarity. If you ask me to do a podcast, I want to tell the truth. Not what people want to hear, but what they need to hear. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, if you adopt the American style of government, if you adopt uh, how we treat each other in the workforce, you are making a violent mistake. I used to believe that America was a shining city on a hill. I used to believe that we had the answers to so much of the challenges that, that faced the globe. I used to believe that we were exceptional, extraordinary, one of a kind. And while I still, in, in essence, believe in that, I no longer believe that we're a success story. I no longer believe that we're a shining city on the hill. And this really bothers me. Because unlike Michael Moore, I am not reflexively anti my country at all. Mm -hmm. But I don't think the US holds a candle to the UK right now. And I didn't feel this way a couple of years ago when, and when the US was in better shape and the UK was fighting through Brexit. And remember this great cartoon, awesome. It's 2038, all the planets have arrived for an intergalactic uh, 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 forum for the future, except for the British who are still trying to get out of Brexit. I just thought that was really funny. Yeah. But it, was, it had its core and truth. It does feel like it's never going to leave us. I mean, even though we're out, we're still arguing about Northern Ireland and sausages and stuff like this. Right. I, mean, I love the line, the labor leavers have left labor. Right. I just worked on that today. And you're still having this political realignment between conservatives, less of them, who voted to remain and really are angry with Britain pulling out of Europe. And then a larger group of labor leavers who voted to remove Britain from Europe but still are labor-oriented and actually they're moving towards the conservatives. I don't know if they'll vote conservative, but their alignment's moving towards the conservatives. I'll just return briefly to America. I mean, what do you... Must I? <laughs> Is there a kind of inflection point where you think, right, things got decidedly worse from there, or was it a gradual oh, snowballing know. effect? What date? You know the date. What date? You're going to say something like November 2016? No. No? Okay. 
January 6th, um, 2021. Right, okay. When so-called patriots had this misguided idea of taking over the Capitol. Four people died in the process. The violence, uh, the violence there was so ugly and so shocking how they beat the crap out of the police who were guarding the Capitol, got inside, and then ran amok for over an hour, breaking stuff. I won't use the language, but they're defecating on stuff. Mm -hmm. We in America think with derision when we see examples of this in other countries. How hard, look at how they're behaving. Look at the cops and, and the protesters. And we say a plague on all your houses. And then we go and do it ourselves. And that, to me, is the worst kind of hypocrisy to condemn another nation when, in fact, you're behaving the same way. And that was the turning point for the U.S. Because, sure, on Election Day 2016, the American people chose someone who the public was shocked won the presidency. And then in the entire election in 2020, the comments that were coming out of the White House were just horrible. But it was all within the realm of expectation. What happened on the 6th of January, 2021, no one could have expected. Uh, no one thought it was possible. And boy, did that shake up the country. And it still shook up today. And how... How do you feel when you see the kind of the same, I mean, obviously you feel worried when you see the same kinds of arguments playing out here in the UK and a lot of your work um, here has been kind of a warning shot to us not to go down the same path. Um, but to what extent do you think you can map American social issues and divides onto the UK? Uh, you know, because people often seem to want to do that. You see protesters here saying, hands up, don't shoot an unarmed police force, it seems bizarre. It's crazy, but that shows you the power of American culture and it shows you the destructive nature of American culture if it's just accepted. I, I walk through London's West End and still the most of the theaters are closed, but those that are open, the movie theaters are American films. Many of the plays were on Broadway and now they're here in the London's West End. There's so much of America that gets translated over here with the British Patina, with a British tone. Uh, everything from fast food to bookstores to um, uh, to music, just the culture. And some of it is so negative, and I never understood this before. I do not shout, chant USA, USA, because I know how offensive it is to uh, to those who come from foreign countries. Doesn't mean that I'm not proud of America. I'm certainly not proud of, of our political situation right now. But I don't want to be that American. I want us to find common ground. America first, maybe, but not America ugly. The language that came out of the Trump administration in terms of foreign policy was abusive and rude, as is much of what he communicated. And I say to the Trump people who complain that I'm not on board, which I'm not. Would you want your kids to talk this way? Don't engage in conversation politically. 
using words or tone that you want to hear you wouldn't want to hear from your children at the dining room table. It did so much damage to America's ability to get along and it's not a, a minor thing. It is a major it's not even a distraction. It's a significant impact on, on who we are and what we are as a country. And I'm very sorry for it. And I don't want to see it come here. I'm, I, I look at myself as the reverse Paul Revere. Just as he rode the uh, streets of Boston, warning people the British are coming, the British are coming. <laughs> I yeah. am walking through the streets of London yelling, don't let the Americans come because you're not going to like what they're bringing with them. It's funny, like, people sort of think that Biden even said that Boris was a physical and political clone of, or emotional clone of Donald Trump. Just, it's absolutely nonsense. It's nonsense. Yeah. Boris is thoughtful and Trump is brutish. Mm. Boris is brilliant, knows the classics, knows history. Trump, Boris has written more books than Donald Trump has read. And if that's not the clearest example of a difference, I don't know what is. I mean, Frank, we're doing this interview, um, but it's going out the day of England's semi-final in the um, in the European and Championships. And I will be there. And as, I will be there. And I will. Um. Congratulations. <laughs> I did not know that someone who's paid so poorly would be able to get tickets. It was so good for you. Well, you know, just luck of the draw, mate. But, um, uh, but you see the shoes that I will be wearing? I will be yeah, Frank is sporting... Um, if you saw Frank on Newsnight, he's got these um, Union Jack trainers, which are quite snazzy. Um, I haven't heard that nice. word since my great-grandmother said, said oh. it when I was three. <laughs> I mean, we like to finish these um, our podcast on a kind of positive note. And you say in, um, in relation to your findings... Which is, which is wrong, by mm. the way. That's oh, it's wrong. just my temperamental but, preference. But, the, but that's a wrong... You should end these with the truth. And I think that one of the reasons why we deteriorated so much in the last few years is because we were willing to tell the truth. That we all sought to say, with Brexit, we would take back control. Well, no, that's not really the case. And if you voted to remain, we could cut a better deal, which was not really the case. I think that we did not tell the truth in America in so many different ways. And I think that rather than making feel, people feel good, we should be informing them and let them decide how they feel about it. All right. Well, we'll end on an informative note in that case. You say in relation to your report, there's more that unites the UK than divides it, but different people see the country differently. And the divisions that exist are significant and serious, and it will worsen if not given alternative unifying narratives. I just wonder what, what sort of thing you have in mind when you talk about unifying narratives. The most important and the easiest is the one thing that we all have in common, which is we love our kids and we want them to be happy. We want them to be successful. And it's pretty hard to get partisan or political or ideological as you talk about your children. Because we, we all have common aspirations for them. So that's number one. That works. Number two is a desire to have an exchange of points of view and not tear each other down. A desire for us to be heard rather than canceled. And that requires us to listen, not just speak. So that's the second area of commonality. And third is an appreciation of freedom and what this country has represented and achieved in regard to freedom, not just for the 200 and 50 years that America's been around or 
Yes, it's about 50 years. Um, but throughout a longer history than that. No, it's not perfect here. And you're, you do deserve to be challenged on colonialism and imperialism. But you've done a lot more good than you have bad. And people have been helped by Britain existing. It's one of the greatest questions to ask, and it's not really a polling question. If we were not here, would that have made a difference? And I think it would have. And I think if Britain were not here, my God, what you guys went through in, in 1940, and I'm sure that if you're under age 50, you're tired of hearing that, it doesn't mean anything to you, watch the videos. Go, go back and see what it meant to the world when you withstood the greatest army up to that point. Day after day, week after week, month after month, you didn't give up. You didn't give up because you had built not just a great country, but a great spirit, a, a great unity, uh, a great cooperation, and this is a great people. And you are no less great today than you were 80 years ago. So celebrate it. Celebrate it every chance you have. And be proud that you have been a force for good throughout modern times. All right. So we are going to end on a positive note after all. I tried. Is, is it coming home, Frank? That's the other question. Uh, you know I don't make predictions about the <laughs> stock market or about football. All right, then. We'll just have to uh, leave that one up in the air. All right. Thank you very much, Frank. And thank you to all of you for listening. Do make sure you tune into the next edition of the CapEx podcast, which will be with the conservative author David Skelton and discussing his new book, The New Snobbery. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.